Hello everybody, my name is Angel Fierst and I am here to talk to you about the inherent inaccessibility of autism and ADHD diagnosis in America's medical system. So to start off with a brief introduction of myself, I myself am autistic and have ADHD. I was only diagnosed when I turned 15 after going through the majority of my experience in the school system with nobody recognizing my symptoms of autism or ADHD almost solely because of the fact that I got good grades and excelled at school. The fact that I had, for the most part, minimal support needs with my educational abilities was essentially used as a reason to disregard any other issues I had in time management, in social skills, in my own mental health. So that brings us to our first topic, the inherent ableism of the current medical system that diagnoses people with neurodivergencies. So there is a deep desire in doctors to avoid diagnosing children that they view as having a capability to be successful. This means that any child they see as having a possibility to excel in a workforce, in school, in college, they think either inherently cannot be neurodivergent or should not be diagnosed because it could hurt those chances. Not to mention the ways that autism are viewed is viewed stereotypically, uh, ADHD as well, but it is especially prevalent in autism. Symptoms are stereotyped and, bringing us to our second topic, viewed only through the symptomology that cis white males exhibit. The original uh, symptoms for both ADHD and autism were recorded as those viewed in young white boys. And this means that in, by nature, any person who is not part of that category will not be viewed as the traditional diagnostic criteria of autism or ADHD. Uh, Autism, when first categorized, was viewed not as a spectrum as we know it to be now, but as a singular point of people with incredibly high support needs who were stigmatized and often institutionalized, tortured, or killed for those support needs. As time went on, uh, Hans Asperger, a Nazi, came up with what he considered his intelligent little boy's disease, or little professor disease, Asperger's, which was a version of what we now know to be autism that was viewed as one that made incredibly smart quote-unquote savants. This created essentially two boxes for autistic children to be placed in, the first being those viewed as completely unintelligent and incapable by the system, and those viewed as strange enough that they somehow once again became useful to the system. This left out not only everyone in between, but everyone who could not fit this idea of a white boy exhibiting these symptoms. The rates of autism in people who are assigned male at birth and people who are assigned female at birth are remarkably disproportionate. And this is not because autism does not exist in people who are assigned female at birth. It is because autism is viewed as a male disorder, which is simply not true. A huge contingent of AFAB people with autism 
go through most, if not all, of their time in the educational system without being diagnosed because of their ability to mask and because of the way their traits show up in non-traditionally presenting ways. Masking is the ability to hide neurodivergent traits to appease a inherently inaccessible world. Now, this ability to mask is a useful skill in many ways, but it is also incredibly painful, incredibly draining, and often leads to severe burnout in people who are forced to mask in their daily lives. As well as there being a discrepancy in diagnosis between AFAB and AMAB people, there is also a huge issue of medical racism. Autism is not just viewed as a male disorder, but as a white one. Autistic children of color, and especially black autistic children, are viewed as being angry, as being threatening, as having mood disorders, or simply left with no supports, simply because of their race. There is an inherent lean towards viewing people of color as being aggressive or threatening in medical communities because of learned stereotypes that many doctors, especially white doctors, hold. This means that as well as being more likely to be denied accommodations in schools, many people of color cannot be diagnosed. Women of color with ADHD are incredibly often diagnosed with mood disorders because mood swings or outbursts incredibly common in ADHD are viewed in them as in some way threatening or the idea of fitting into the angry black woman or the hysteric woman stereotype. This inaccessibility means that the system essentially reinforces itself as fewer and fewer women, AFAB people, and people of color are diagnosed more and more people say, see, it's only white boys who have this disorder. And that means that resources and stereotypes reinforce this and continue to hurt the people who are left out of the system. Finally, the cost of healthcare. Even if a doctor would diagnose you with autism or ADHD, appointments cost huge amounts of money in America and are very, very commonly not covered by insurance. I myself had to go to somewhere not at all insured and pay out of pocket to get diagnosed with autism. And it was a huge sum of money that I am incredibly lucky my family could pay. But for many people, that is not an option or a reality. This means that wealthy people are more likely to be able to get their children diagnosed and get them supports that they need. There is often talked about an autism epidemic, and when you look at it, you can see that A, autism is not a viral disease, it is not something that spreads, it is a genetic disorder that is heritable. And B, these huge spikes in diagnostic rates are centered around large cities where well-educated, higher-class people live. These are the people who not only know about neurodivergencies and are more likely to have an understanding of them or know their children could get supports, but also those who can afford to send them to schools that are more likely to offer supports, to doctors who are more likely to flag things, and then pay for the testing at the end. For 
poor people or even lower class people, especially people of color, it is not even possible to seek out a diagnosis. Not because there is not the need or the desire, but because the system itself actively works against that. In this regard, in a system that is poised against an autistic person discovering through diagnosis that they are autistic and receiving supports they need in schools, it is important to recognize the validity of self-diagnosis. Self-diagnosis is not simply saying you are autistic or saying you have ADHD. It is doing thorough research. The majority of psychology students cover autism for approximately one hour in in their entirety of their college education unless they have a specific focus on them. For any person who has done five or 10 or 15 hours of research on their own, reading credible sources and at times even scientific articles published in peer-reviewed journals, they have done more research than many so-called experts would have. And more importantly, they will gain a greater understanding of themselves and the tools they need to use without having to be at the mercy of the ableism and racism and sexism instilled in a medical professional. Because of this, because of all of these reasons, self-diagnosis must be a pathway open to people. And in junction with that, the medical system we live in needs to be changed, and it needs to be changed quickly. Thank you.